0: We're going to look at an entire verse tonight, which would be good. Um, all of the third verse. So, uh, let me just, we'll put on the screen just the first three verses so you can kind of get, a, get the thought flow together. Um, so in verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, verse 3 is our verse for tonight. Um, the first two verses, uh, just a quick summary, is basically the fact that Jesus is the star of everything. Uh, Jesus is the hero of this psalm he is like the focus is on the shepherd um it's not this the glorified life of a sheep um in the, in the shepherd's care although that's that's a part of it is look how look how good we have it um but how good we have it is supposed to just point back to the goodness of our shepherd and so uh, he is he is the focus um David is um is saying because of who my shepherd is i, I just i don't lack anything I don't, I don't there's nothing in life where, or he just he doesn't leave me hanging on, on stuff. Um, I I have all the food that I need. I have all the water water that I need. I have the protection that I need. His presence is there, and when his presence is there, it changes everything. Um, and and so David's just he's just amped, you know, really in this song. Um, so in verse three, uh, he continues that um, Jesus Jesus is still the hero, the focus of this both parts of this verse. Uh, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, so that that part is still still there, and the, he refers to Jesus. And so um, in the first part, let's kind of look at it. he restores my soul first. Uh, the word soul there is not, it's not soul like we typically think of soul in the sense the, of like, you know, that immaterial part of us that is our actual real identity that when our physical life ends ends, uh, our souls go to be with God, or to be uh, separate from God for eternity, kind of thing. Not soul in that sense. Um, this word so that is translated in the ESV is soul, In um, other translations is is uh, translated as life. And that's kind of that's probably um, I would prefer to use life because soul has so many connotations with it. Uh, but really, either one of them can work. But um, so He restores my life. He restores my soul. Um, he uh, the the idea behind restoration, I was kind of looking in a different how different people uh, define this this term in Hebrew and stuff, and and you know restore is a good one, renew is a good one. Um, one of the explanations that I heard that really like as soon as I read it, I was like, that's it right there for us. Uh, said um, to to return to the point of departure, to re- return to the point of departure. You know? So if you're you know if you're you're driving somewhere and you aren't really sure where you're going, you turn off the main road, you go and you make a couple of wrong turns and you you remember what they taught you in Sesame Street when you lose something, you retrace your steps, so you like turn around and you go back and you kind of work your way back it It's a return to the to um to where things went wrong to the point of departure you go back to that like okay, I know up until this point I was okay, and then this is where things went wrong, so you work your way back to that point um that's the idea behind that that kind of restoration is let's uh, almost like let's turn back the clock and get it back to where where things were before everything got messed up um, David is saying that uh, that that is that is what God does in his life he um, he takes his life and brings it back to the point of departure where things started to go wrong um, as far as what that has to do with with a shepherd I was reading um, Reading a little bit, uh, this guy kind of took that idea and he was like, "Okay, uh, he was a professional shepherd, you know, for most of his life and stuff." And he's like, "Okay, what what does that look like in the life of a sheep? Why would David think think in those terms and use those terms?" And, um, in, in his opinion, I think this is, this is pretty cool to think about it this way. Um, to, the rest of, for a shepherd to restore the life of, of a sheep, um, in, in his example, was was uh, the fact that sheep sheep are kind of they're kind of round, you know. And uh, and certainly, like the the more you're feeding them and all that kind of stuff, like you want you want big sheep. And when they get big, they get round. Um, and when they're pregnant, they're they're even more round, you know. And and a part of what happens uh, for those sheep is uh, they'll they'll get they'll bed down. You know, he, he makes me lie down. Uh, but sometimes when they lie down, uh, they you know maybe there's like like a little indention in the ground nearby they weren't aware of, or a little ditch or something, a little trench. Uh, or hole, or something like that, or maybe maybe just just because of their like rotundness, or maybe you know because they're pregnant or whatever. Sometimes they're laying down, and they go to get up and they can't, and they end up like rolling over. And uh, so, for uh, for a sheep to be um, needing to be restored, they're they're literally laying there on their back with all four legs in the air, and there's nothing they can do. Like they're not like they can't like start doing one of these, you know, like. I don't know. There's no momentum. There's no whatever. I don't even think they're probably smart enough to do that. But but when a, when a sheep when, when the sheep is is lying there, legs four legs in the air, uh, completely stu- there's not a thing that that sheep can do. The other ones don't come in and like nudge it and kind of help it out. There's no like get a plank and like manu- like kind of wedge it or and there's no there's it's just it's just stuck. Um and uh and that's called uh, like a that's when a, a sheep is cast or downcast. And so you know, in the song, David says, "Why, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God." Uh, that's downcast, meaning like literally like like a sheep laying on their back, four legs in the air, nothing you can do about it, completely stuck. Um, that that to restore a sheep, what this guy was saying is 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 the shepherd goes over and like rolls them back over and like gets them, returns them to the to the point of departure, returns them back to the point where things went wrong. Which was, they were right side up and then they just weren't, you know? And so, he just, that, that's, to him, he said, that's what restoring a sheep is. That, that when they're in that kind of distress, you go over because they can't do anything about it. The shepherd comes over and rolls them back over and essentially saves their lives. That that's what restoring is. Um, to think about it in those terms is pretty awesome to think that David, that, that, that perhaps David, after having, like, restored that many sheep, that many downcast sheep, flipping them over, flipping them over, flipping them over, what if, what if he was like, God does that with, with my entire life? That's, that's part of what, of the care of the shepherd. Um, that's a part of what, of, of saying, I, I shall not want. I don't lack anything because whenever I'm downcast, my shepherd comes over and restores me. Uh, he does it with my life. Um, so, alright, so thinking along those lines, let I me, mean, let I me mean kind of, let's think about it in, in two different senses. For a few minutes together tonight, that part he restores my soul. Um, The the first one would would just pertain to salvation in general, Um, the the restoration of our of our souls. And and I know that uh, you know probably when I said Ephesians two, there a lot of you like man, I know this passage so well. Um, Let's just let's let's just um, let's put on like fresh ears, fresh eyes um let's maybe ask the lord to help us to understand this text just in these few minutes in a a way we've never thought about it before because the tragedy the tragedy is that we would hear the gospel so much that we would just become just numb to it you know it's like the tragedy that that amazing grace you know the hymn whatever would just be like just another song to us you know that's what i mean it happens very easily uh May, I hope that's never the case. I hope John three sixteen is never like just what Rainbowhead holds up at a, an NFL game. You know, I hope it's never just like, oh, that's the verse. That's the BBS verse. That's remember Rainbowhead. May may we never take those things for granted, uh, or whatever. Uh, let's let's think of, of the restoration of our souls in the sense of salvation. Look at the for, Ephesians two verse one, um, and you were dead. In the, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Uh, that, that in and of itself it does a, is a pretty good explanation. You were, you were dead in, in your sins. Um, as far as this, Jesus bringing us back to the point of departure, for, for Christians, we would, we would say that, that's Genesis chapter 3. You know, that's when everything went wrong. That God puts Adam and Eve in this garden, says you can do, this is for you. You work this garden, you take care of of the animals, you take care of everything, eat of any tree that you want, just don't eat of that one tree. If you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And things. the point of departure was things went wrong when they just thought, um, we know better than God does. And yes, they were tempted by by Satan and stuff like that, but ultimately it was their decision to go with what they wanted to do. Scripture says they, it, was, it was appealing to the eye. And so they made a choice, and that was the point of departure. Um, and, and so when God said, if you eat that tree, you're going to die, and he was right. Uh, the spiritual death was instant. The physical death was eventual. Um, but they died right then. That's, that's when what happened. So Ephesians 2, verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins, that really started for us at the beginning of time from our very first parents, Adam and Eve. Um, and so they had kids, and they, they gave to their children the gift of life, uh, but the curse of spiritual death. The gift of physical life, the curse of spiritual death, um, was passed on and on and on and on. Um, and so uh, generation after generation after generation, same thing. Physical life, spiritual death. Uh, and so when you were born, um, your parents... I gave you the gift of physical life and the curse of spiritual death. Uh, that's what that's what we're born into. Um, that is pretty terrible when you think about it. And a part of what made the spiritual death so difficult was the fact that that they were that God separated them from Himself because Him just being holy and being completely like His holiness alone, His complete otherness, His no sin, completely pure. He's just the magnificence of the Lord would destroy them if they stayed in the garden, if they stayed in His presence, because His presence destroys sin, just like light destroys darkness. I mean, it's the same, same exact thing. And so um, He came up with this plan, and a part of the plan was to separate them, and to launch this plan forward of, for them to to have kids and them to have kids and. For the, the gift of life to continue and for the curse of spiritual death to continue, because he had a plan uh, to to remedy the whole the whole deal. And so, uh, you and I were born in, in that situation. We were born, like, think to go back to the sheep like metaphor deal. It's a metaphor, or not go back to the sheep deal. Um, our, like we were we were born in that downcast situation. Okay, um, four legs in the air on the back, nothing you could do about it spiritually. There's, you couldn't, you can't change that situation. Just like those sheep can't change their situation. Um, and so, uh, to go back to the text, uh, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the here it is the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind okay so everything i just said he just said it more poetically and much much better much much better than that um so that's that's the situation like that's that is um, a picture of hopelessness and despair now not everybody would see it that way cuz there are a lot of folks who are like who are like who cares if i'm spiritually dead i'm physically alive and i'm going i'm going to like live it up and and i get that you know i think we all understand that um but the more we understand about God and who He is in this plan, the, the more we, we really get the fact that life is, is not, not nearly as much about our physical lives as we think it is. And it is way more about our spiritual, uh, about spiritual life. Um, and once you realize that, that is, that's what's real. This, this physical life is temporary. Um, God uses it. God wants to bless us. like He wants good, goodness in this physical life. But what he really wants is that trajectory into eternity uh, of our hearts. Like that's, that's what's going on. And so, um, so verse 4 is where we, where we see that restoration. He restores my soul in the aspect of salvation. Uh, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Okay? So that's, that's when, God, when God steps into the situation. That's where that, the fact that He restores our souls, He, he takes our, our lives and He goes back to the, to the point of departure and He fixes everything, is that He just breathes spiritual life back into us. That we are those downcast sheep who can't do anything about it and He as our shepherd comes and flips us over and restores us. And by doing that, we go from being spiritually dead being spiritually alive it's it's almost a different sense that even if you think of just of the think of, of baptism and all that it is symbolic of we were we're born in death we're buried with christ and and then we're raised to walk in new life like that's symbolic of what's going on maybe now like one of the cool things about going to grace baptist is they have a baptistry and really baptize the heck out of people and and but but maybe that's that's even a part of it even just in that motion that we're starting to think a sheep that was downcast, and God has flipped them back over, and they're alive again. That's that's what God has done for us. That He has taken our lives, and He's taken us basically back to Eden, back to Genesis one and two. He has restored us in that sense. He said, let's, "I'm going to take you back to the point of departure, and I'm going to get you get breathe that spiritual life back into you, so that you can really live." And your physical lives are gonna be, you know, like you're gonna get sick and you're gonna get old and bad things are gonna happen all this kind of stuff. But your spiritual life is 100% protected by me. Nothing can harm you. And there's gonna be some pretty cruddy things that are gonna happen on this, in this world. I'm gonna walk you through it and I'm not gonna abandon you, but you gotta keep in mind that your life lives on into eternity and that, that is secure and nothing's gonna change that. And that is way, way, way more important. So let the world do whatever they want to you and let things happen and all that stuff. And let's, let's hurt together and let's grieve together. Let's have hope together because we know that our, our lives are, are more than that because He has restored our souls. He has restored our lives. He's renewed us. He's flipped us back over. Now, what, why has He done that? This verse, verse 4, says, uh, because, one, because He's rich in mercy. Okay? He's rich in mercy, and, and mercy. whenever you see mercy, you need to think um, someone in agony and God reaching into that pain. That God is not going to, to look at, at one of his kids, one of his sheep, that's downcast like that, and is in agony. He's not going to just like keep walking and be like, well, I don't really like that one very much. He's rich in mercy, so he's, that's in action. Um, then it says, um, because of the great love with which he loved us, so mercy comes from his great love. And because he is love, he he doesn't want to see us downcast like that. He doesn't want to see us in that condition. He doesn't want to see us physically alive but spiritually dead. He's like, I'm going to do something about this. These are my kids that made in my image. I love them. I care for them. I hate to see them hurt. But there's another reason that he does it. So love, mercy... Um, Verse uh, verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, uh, he made us alive together with Christ. So it's not, that, not just that he flipped you over. He, he, he took your life, my life, um, and we died with Christ. And when, when he flips us back over, it really is like baptism. Like we we're raised to walk in newness of life with Jesus. And not only are are we raised with him, but we're seated with him. Uh, Raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So all this comes down to Jesus and the cross. Like every bit of this is because he died for you in order for this to happen. So he purchased your life, my life, on the cross with his life. And so that's that's why there's so much value there. I mean, if you like, think about it. If you died for someone, that had to be pretty important to you. So here's Jesus dying for all these downcast sheep because they don't—they don't know. We don't know. He says, "I'm going to die, and then I'm going to start flipping them." They died with—I'm going to die, and they're going to die with me. And then I'm going like, to i am going to be raised up, and they're going to be raised up too, and they're going to start flipping, flipping with me, raised up with me, seated with me. Reign forever with me. Subdue the earth with me. My kids at my table, taking on my name, my kingdom, my rules, my way. But they're, but they're in. They're in. They're, their name is on the inheritance. They're, they're part of the family. And so, when we look at verse 7, it does all this. There's this, this, this new reason. In addition to all that stuff, it says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, really again, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the coming ages, alright? Think about it like this, alright? Jesus, alright, field full of sheep, they're downcast. Okay? Jesus, the good shepherd, dies on the cross, spiritual death, okay? Uh, I mean physical death too, but uh, that's that that kind of, of death, we were with him. He he raises up, so he starts walking around flipping sheep over. Alright? Flipping them over. The reason he's flipping them over, one because he's rich in mercy, and that comes from his love. And 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 he has this all this plan, but a part of the plan is he wants all those other downcast sheep to see him flipping over sheep. He wants those sheep to be like laying there, like, what? How, how, how is that sheep walking around? What how, what is what is going on? These sheep walking around? They're green pastures, and they're getting all fat, and having kids, and doing all this stuff. I'm like, what? How come I'm laying here? Four legs in the air, can't do anything, and there's a sheep walking around. And all the sheep are like, Say dude. This is the shepherd. That guy right there. Long hair beard. Yeah, seen him? Looks like Saeed from Lost. That's my shepherd. Think about it. Sorry. Think about it. That's my shepherd. He flipped me over. You want him to flip you over? He'll flip you over. The sheep's like, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Maybe that maybe the couple other sheep are like, no, dude, seriously, this is this is it. This is like the real deal. Like he's awesome. Maybe the other sheep are going like like so the other sheep start talking maybe about how good he is, how good he is. He's showing it. We put that verse back up. Is it, this is the the show in the in the coming ages? He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards. It. He's showing it to the other sheep. the sheep they're laying down. Maybe the other sheep are are, are like talking to the ones laying down. And be like, well, hey, let me ask you this: Are, are you hungry? Like, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm hungry, but I don't really even know why. I don't even think I'm hungry. Uh, no, I'm, I'm hungry. I could eat. You know. I, mean, I don't. I don't even know why. What I'm hungry for. I don't really know what the solution is. Like, I'm telling you, our shepherd. Like that's 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 what you need. That's what you're hungry for. That's what you're thirsty for. It's the shepherd. It's the shepherd. It's the shepherd. And the whole time, Jesus is there, flipping sheep over, being like, "See this? Everybody see this? Oh, watch this one. You 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 guys think this one might be a lost cause? Not me." The world overlooked this one, not me. Remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. All right? Blessed are those who mourn. All right? We have all these all these things in our world where we think that like God's mad at people and this and this and this, and Jesus is steady, flipping those lives over. Flipping those lives over, flipping those lives over. Why? To so put it on display for every sheep on that hillside. Like, I'm the good shepherd, and I will flip your life. He wants to demonstrate it. He wants to show it. He wants the world to look at your life and my life as a sheep that was once downcast, is now up, and here we are, he's leading us to green pastures and still waters, and we don't lack for anything. And the whole point of it is the whole point of this song is so to be like, look at the shepherd. Everybody look at him. You who are downcast. This guy loves you, died for you, wants your life to live on forever with him in his kingdom, part of his flock. Last last couple of verses. Verse 8, For for by grace you have been saved through through, through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. As awesome as you are, you cannot take your soul that is downcast, four legs in the air, and flip yourself over. It is the gift of God, pure grace, no work on your end, the goodness of the shepherd coming into your life saying, hey, let me, let me do this for you. Let me die for you so that you can live. When you live, you just, you, you live for me. You live with me. You live from me. You live for me. And the last verse. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These good works that we're walking in. Oh, man. I should have preached two weeks on this. Um, The good works that we're walking in. All right. Go back to the 23rd Psalm. You think about that. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We just talked about good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Paths of righteousness. Think about righteousness in in, in these terms. Um, God God is holy. And all his actions are righteous. So his actions are consistent with his holiness. That's what, what, to me, the easiest way to understand righteousness. Okay? Holy, holy is is about being, and righteousness is about doing. And so we're striving for righteousness that all, that our, our actions, our words, everything about us is consistent with the holiness that Jesus has, you know, ob- obtained for us. And so um, I I read this somewhere one time. I can't even remember, but uh, if if you think ter- think about like the sun, like the sun is the sun, that's holiness. That would be holiness. Okay, just the fact that the sun is it is the sun. The righteousness of the sun would be the fact that the sun always acts like the sun. It's always, it's always putting out light. It's always right there at the middle of the of the universe. It's always like everything's orbiting around it. It's for a, on an Earth from an earthly perspective, it always rises. It's always there every day. There aren't these days where the sun isn't there. There's no inconsistency there. And so he's leading us in paths of righteousness. He's leading us, showing us how to walk out and live in ways that are consistent with the fact that we've been flipped. Live it out. He doesn't flip us over so that we can like be stupid and be rebellious and do our own thing. He flips us over so we can walk in righteousness, so we can live out the good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do, so that His goodness and graciousness to us is put on display, so that other sheep are like, I, I want to live too, and we they get flipped as well, and then pretty soon, like all the sheep are flipped, and we're like, "Let's go." May, may we never, ever just be like, "Oh, you know, the gospel, psh, you know, got all that check." May, I hope that never gets to give get where we're not stirred by that, you know, or we're not amazed by that, or we're not I don't know, pushed forward in our faith. So, go back to the 23rd psalm verse 3 he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness that applies to our salvation and if if that is is never something that you have come face to face with okay you've never like just never come to that point where you're like i am that sheep that is downcast and i do not want to be downcast like i understand like i get it now um you don't have to leave here tonight with questions. There are plenty of us around here who would love to talk about that. And we aren't—we don't do like a walk the aisle invitation here and stuff like that. Um, we just—we want you to process it with the Lord and stuff like that. But afterwards, if you want to talk, just grab somebody. Please, let's talk about that. It's way too important to uh, to just dismiss and go eat. You know, never think about it again. Um, let's think about Psalm twenty-three, three, through a, a, another lens, really, really quickly. Okay, um, go to. Go to Psalm 32. Alright. I'm going to streamline this, but I think it's it's okay. Um, The other sense of Him restoring our souls, restoring our lives, bringing our lives back to the point of departure, um, comes from the angle of... uh, just our our continued sanctification our our us growing and becoming Christ like and um i think a lot of it has to do with our our continuing battle with with sins um, and just the, the need to be restored okay so basically what i'm saying is you you have already been flipped in the sense that i've been talking about it from Ephesians 2 like you recognize that you're downcast and that you wanted this good shepherd to come and to flip your life, to come into his life. So that's how, that's happened. So now you're living life and he's leading you down paths of righteousness for his name's sake and all that stuff. But There, there come points, I'm just going to go with the sheep thing for a second. Uh, there come those points where he's leading you in paths of righteousness, into green pastures, still waters, all that good stuff. And yet, we still think that we know better, so we're like, "No, I'm, I'm going I'm to go find my own pasture somewhere, find my own water, find whatever. I'll do my own thing." And and I mean, and we have that that choice. I mean, that's that's a part of the will, you know, that um, that He flips us over, knowing like knowing that time, we're going to choose Him sometimes, or we're not going to choose Him sometimes. Um, what I'm talking about is uh, the times when we just intentionally turn our back on the shepherd and we're like, I'm going to find my own pasture. And we go and we, we, we bed down in, in things that are unhealthy for us. You bed down there and you think, this is, I like this pasture a lot better. No you know Jesus said not to, not to drink of this stagnant water, but I kind of like, like this better. Kind of like my plan better. I don't really think he was shepherding me very well. Uh, I like to shepherd myself, and uh, I I think that's going to be a little bit better. How you doing, Marilyn? Marilyn Baptiste, everybody. Uh, We so so we go. We find find this other weird pasture, you know. We bed down. i thing you. We know. Um, we're downcast again. Okay, not not in the sense that Ephesians 2 has been undone that's not what i'm saying okay i think that there's a, a keeping power of the spirit that happens we didn't save ourselves so we're not going to undo that necessarily but what i'm talking about is like you are like you are a saved saint but you just w- are just willingly being rebellious in some areas and you've settled into those those ways Next thing you know, you are downcast in, in a different way, but, but you feel stuck, you know. Those sinful patterns have got you just really feeling like those sheep, legs four legs in the air, nothing you could do, don't know what to do next, frustrated, tired, irritated. And I, I know in this room that there are people who are like, "That's me." There are some people who are like, "That ain't me," but that maybe that's even more you, you know. And and there are different things we could bed down in, you know. But like I said a couple weeks ago, most of them they're going to come down to they're coming down to pride, of thinking just thinking we know better. So come down to idolatry of, of thinking that that something or someone is gonna is gonna fill those voids for us. So we're we're looking to someone besides the Lord, for whatever, for contentment, or whatever. And I know I know this uh, this congregation well enough to know that there are there are prideful, idolatrous sheep among us. And I'm not ex- excluding myself. I'm not saying. I'm not pointing at y'all saying among us. And there are a lot of a lot of ways that I know that's true, but the the basic way that I know it's true is is because we we spend enough time in community together to to hear the pride and to hear the idolatry and to experience that in each other's lives. And and you guys have heard it from me, and I've heard it from you. And it's it's an issue, um, and maybe the maybe the the most prevalent thing that I sense at the ring right now, uh, and this is not at all this is is loving. Just let me just put this lovingly. Uh, I think there's a ton of just apathy right now among us. Um, I just I just don't care, you know? like you know now I love Jesus I do I love him but, but our devotions say otherwise you know um, our i don't know our downcast state says otherwise you know? um, I'm not at all just being like hey, things are terrible it's, it's not that all that things are terrible I just I know we're we're struggling right now um, not everybody um but there's a sense of it that's there. And and I think you can feel it. Uh I think you can probably sense it in your in your community groups. I think you sense it in your friend groups. So there's, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we whether we know it or not, we've been we've been betting down in pastures that are not a part of the path of righteousness that Jesus has led us down. Um and so so what do you what do you do? You know, that's that's always the question. It's like okay, well, what what from here? Well, there there are two ways, um, two things that that shepherds do when their when their sheep are downcast. One of them is uh, apparently they're always counting them. And so you know in Luke fifteen you know there's the there's the parable of lost sheep. That's where it comes from. Like how did he know he had he was missing one out of a hundred? Well, apparently shepherds counted them constantly. And if you came up short, you went to go find the one. And so the one that he was going to look for uh, was probably downcast, laying in the field somewhere, you know, like unable to do anything. And so some of that is the responsibility of the good shepherd comes in and, and seeks those who are hurting. And for some of you, Jesus has been seeking you. He I mean he's been aggressively coming after you on Sundays in community groups, and on times when you're driving around, maybe times in your Private time with the Lord, or whatever—just random ways—he's been pursuing you, um, wanting to bring you to flip you over out of that downcast state. Um, another way that shepherds do, though, is they is they listen. Um, the sheep, you know, of course they're noisy. You know, they're always banging and stuff, uh, uh, or ble- bleating. You know, is one of those things, but. Um, when the, when the, when the sheep flips over and gets stuck, they start, they start to holler. And it's, you know, like, I'm not at all trying to say, like, sheep and babies are the same, so please don't attack me. But, like, you know how, like, parents talk about, you learn, like, different cries? You know, there's the I want attention cry, there's the I'm hungry cry, and there's the, like, I'm in physical, like, I'm really hurting cry. Um, apparently sheep are, uh, are similar in the sense that you can you can tell them hollering out just because that's what they do as opposed to the fact that they're they're downcast they start to holler maybe they don 't even know they're hollering for the shepherd maybe they're just freaking out. The shepherd hears that and he goes and he responds to the the sheep that's calling out um, i think I think that's like the combination of those two things uh, is is what is needed for us. That if, if Jesus has been pursuing you, then, like, he's gonna, I, you need to let him. Okay? But if you don't feel like he's been pursuing you, then you gotta holler. Because in both of those scenarios, the way that Jesus works as a shepherd is, is he wants the sheep to say, like, I want you to flip me over. You know? Like, I want you to restore me. I want you to return me to the point of departure. I want you to bring me back to where things got so messed up for me. I don't know what to do. I'm completely stuck. We have to be willing to verbalize that. He, he wants us to speak that out. Psalm 32, as I close. This is David working through some more stuff. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Check this out. For when I kept silent, my bones passed away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Okay, it's Basically saying it's like I was, I was silent and I was miserable. I didn't cry out to God. I didn't cry out to people. I just sat there and sulked. You know, I was the downcast sheep in the wrong pasture, and I was too prideful to say, like, I've messed this, this up. I need, I need to be restored. I need to be flipped over and brought back to the point of departure. Too prideful, whatever. And he's regretting, regretting that. And then he has this shift. Look at verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. He's saying, I'm, not, I'm just not going to be quiet about it anymore. I don't mean that we have to like scream at the Lord necessarily, but we, I think we do have to verbalize those confessions and that repentance. So we have to say, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I've messed this up. Only you can fix this. And we let him bring us back to that point of, of departure. The reality is that the Good Shepherd, He's not like looking for you like this. He's standing over you. He always has been. He's, he's right there. He wants us to be the ones to cry out and to holler for Him. And He responds. Why? Because He's rich in mercy. And he has great love. And He wants to put on display His goodness through your life, through my life. Verse 6, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach Him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of, what? Deliverance. Shouts of deliverance. Then here comes that He leads me in paths of righteousness. I will instruct you, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Okay, he's saying not only will I, I flip you back, over, I'll, I'll I'll walk you back to it. I'll step you through this. Okay, you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be whatever. You, this this stronghold that's on it, it doesn't have to be this way. I will counsel you through it. But you gotta cry out to me first. You, you gotta want it. You gotta want it. this is a weird verse verse 9 be not like a horse or mule without understanding which must be curved with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you I think that's really saying like you're not a dumb animal okay you're an image bearer of the Lord he gave you a brain he gave you a will with that brain you can see the goodness of the shepherd we don't have to put a a, a Fit in your mouth and drag you around. He's like, but I want want you to choose for yourself. Verse 10, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds uh, the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I don't know where it fits into your life. I feel like I've been talking forever. I hope that you're not super bored. But um, I think... There are probably some who need restoration in the first sense that we talked about tonight. Alright. I'm so glad you said that. Um, Probably some who need that kind of restoration. But I, I bet there's a lot who need that second kind of restoration. That you need that confession and you need to cry out to Him and you just acknowledge I'm downcast. I need you to come and restore me i need you to lead me in paths of righteousness not for my name's sake and not so that not so that i can be awesome or whatever so that you can be glorified through through that process i just i need you i need you i need you so i don't know how it fits into your life but i bet you do Um, let me let me pray Jesus I, I, I ask that you would that you would help us to sense the nearness of our shepherd in these moments and uh, recognize that you're not far off, you're not busy tending to somebody else or some other situation or whatever that you are you, you're near. And that you are looking into our lives, and you're putting your goodness on display. And for some in this room, you're leading them down paths of righteousness, and they're following. And we celebrate their obedience and pray that you use their use those lives to to draw more sheep in. Um, and for, but for those who who have have never had that first kind of restoration? I pray that you just you just draw them, help them to cry out to you and say, "I want I want you to be my shepherd." And for those who are here tonight, who who feel downcast in this in that second sense, who sins of pride and idolatry, sins of of, of apathy or um. Materialism, or being self-centered, or uh, I mean, just all the things we could name—the things we've been betting down in—I pray that that you would they just be able to sense the approach of their shepherd tonight, just His goodness, Your goodness, just whispering hope, and that offer to to turn them right side up. To bring them back to the point of departure. God, that that would would happen in my life. That would happen in all of our lives. That we wouldn't just be content in these weird places that we find ourselves